Welcome back to Those Happy Places, the podcast that treats theme parks, rides, and attractions like literature. I'm Buddy Duquesne. And I'm Alice White. And Alice, guess what? (laughs) What? (laughs) We are back with another great episode. Today I want to posit a thesis about something, you know, I think is kind of crucial to what makes a theme park a theme park. And what would that be? What are we talking about today, buddy? I would say that the presence of shows, nighttime spectaculars, and parades is actually part of the lifeblood of a particularly effective theme park. That's an interesting thesis statement, and I can't wait to talk about this with you. We have some particular, uh, I'd say, attachments to certain shows and parades and nighttime spectaculars that uh, have been favorites of ours for a really long time, as I'm sure everybody has particular favorites. And uh, I think you have uh, some excellent points to make in this episode about uh, what really those things can bring to the theme park experience, Uh, both from like an operational perspective, like from the theme park's perspective, but also from the perspective of a guest. Yeah, of course. I mean, like, okay, imagine, if you will, a theme park that is just absolutely chock full of rides, like rideable attractions, right? We're talking every time you get into a queue, you are queuing up to get into a ride vehicle and go on an adventure. That sounds like a pretty sweet theme park, right? Yeah, it sounds fun. (laughs) I would like to posit that that would actually end up feeling kind of empty and incomplete. Uh, mostly because I think a good theme park needs a variety of paces of entertainment. And I think that these, these things that we maybe sometimes don't even really enjoy, especially parades, Alice, gosh, parades can be so annoying. They really can. They have to be very, very, very special parades to, uh, to get my affection. Yeah. Uh, and, and so especially parades. Yeah. Uh, which we might go like, oh, why? Why are we even? Why are we even here? Why are we doing parades just to it's, suffer? It's honestly, <laughs> to be honest, just get this just out there right away. Um, it's just the Main Street Electrical Parade. That's <laughs> the Main Street Electrical P- Parade in particular is one that will not die. That um, is my that is my favorite parade, possibly my only beloved parade. <laughs> there are true. other parades that I have um, enjoyed and tolerated. Yeah. But I don't remember what they were. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> the names ever, of them. Did you ever catch uh, Paint the Night? I don't think I've... I, no, I don't think I've seen Paint the Night. Honestly, is that I stopped stopping for parades um, when <laughs> I was very young. Yeah, uh, probably around the time I stopped stopping for parades when we started to attend the Disney parks uh, at the Disneyland Resort, that is, um, as teenagers. Uh, yeah. And saw the parades as a nightly interruption of our fun. Uh, Actually, they uh, it became a, oh, everybody is watching the parade. Let's go ride more rides while they're distracted. <laughs> right. But if you were in a land that you wanted to cross to the opposite side of the park, it became impossible during a parade. So it's it was true. also it was it was simultaneously like, oh, this will empty the line for Splash Mountain. And also, oh, we can never get to Space Mountain while this parade is on. (laughs) Um, So it it was interesting, the dynamic that we had with parades uh, in our youth. Uh, The reason I asked about Paint the Night is that Paint the Night is, in many ways, a highly underrated uh, and true successor to the Main Street Electrical Parade. Oh, that's nice. Like, the lights are so good, the characters are so good, the music actually slaps. It's a bop. <laughs> uh, some would say it's even straight fire, yo. Ooh, a banger even? I would never call it a banger, but you <laughs> might. Uh, so, anyways, uh, the Main Street Electrical Parade is obviously beloved, and that's actually part of what made me want to do this episode, because the nighttime spectaculars and parades in particular at the Disneyland Resort have been absent since they closed in early 2020. And they're only returning not long after the release of this episode of Those Happy Places. So I think now is like a really great time to like consider what is the importance of these shows. You know, when we say nighttime spectaculars, we're talking about phantasmic, world of color, the Main Street Electrical Parade. We're talking about these like 
iconic light up shows with their sound and their visuals and the memories attached to them. And yeah, hearing that World of Color and Fantasmic were coming back, like meant something to me. I had an emotional reaction. I was like, oh my God, Fantasmic is back. <laughs> Disneyland is complete. And then it made me think, well, on my most recent visit, they weren't back, right? And did I miss them? And kind of, yeah, actually, <laughs> I did miss these shows. I missed the opportunity to kind of cap off my night at a Disney park with these big spectacular events that could only happen at night, right? Because of like the nature of the show. There's something about them that they, they, they mean something. And uh, some of the most emotional moments that I've had at theme parks have been attached to watching these shows. Just World of Color in particular, it can be so beautiful sometimes. Oh man, um, the first time I saw it, I wept. I wept. I wept. Like, outwardly. Um, <laughs> and I, I think about one of the times that I saw it, it wasn't even the first time. And I was still like, this is one of the coolest things ever. And I wept. Uh, and, you know, that's kind of incredible given that it's a show with uh, some lights and water, if you you know break it down to its most bare components uh and and some fire um and music and music and that's it and that's like all it takes to elicit an emotional response and it works um and so you know why are they important well let's start with the obvious stuff right let's start with operations why shows in a theme park well um, the most obvious reason I can think of is uh, variety, uh, the spice of life, uh, that every theme park needs a place for every kind of person. So if somebody, even if you were an all roller coaster park, you need to have at least one attraction or show or something in there that can be enjoyed by somebody who doesn't go or can't go on roller coasters, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's an accessibility issue, just like uh, what we were talking about in our previous episode. This is something that enables more people to enjoy the park, having a variety of things to do. Not everything can be an e-ticket. Uh, and look, I would love uh, an all e-ticket park. I, I think that would be really cool because I, I am a person who enjoys thrilling rides, right? But on the other hand... Um, E-ticket, 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 e-ticket is kind of an exhausting pace anyways, right? Uh, and if you are not the sort of person that would enjoy that, uh, yeah, you need something else. There'd be and no reason for them to go, uh, no reason for them to spend money at your park, which is ultimately like the point, right? <laughs> yeah, theme parks are a business and uh, appealing to a wide variety of customers or guests, if you will is a big part of what makes them effective. So yeah, shows and nighttime spectaculars and parades, these are things that add variety and spice of life to theme parks. I think there's kind of a like misconception about shows at theme parks that they're like, like a waste of time almost. That's not exactly the right like phrase, but that they're like lesser to the rides. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I feel like I have I have heard that and maybe even expressed that opinion uh, at times. You know, some a lot of people, um, I think, are of the opinion that um, something like a show, um, where you sit down and watch something on a stage or even a screen, is something that they can experience or have a similar comparatively experience at at home, um, and so they like. I think they think if I'm going to a theme park, I want to ride a ride, something I do not have in my house. Um, and so they think, well, while I'm at this theme park and spending the money to be here, I'm going to make the most of the biggest experiences that I can. Yeah. And I think that's a valid perspective for sure, right? I mean, like movie theaters exist. Theaters <laughs> exist. Um, and I have caught myself saying something like, Oh, what? I'm going to pay $150 to go to Disneyland so that I can stand in line for the truncated Frozen musical? <laughs> like, that doesn't actually sound too good. But on the other hand, the truncated Frozen musical is wildly popular. 
over at the Hyperion Theater in California Adventure. Yeah, it's also good. It's also pretty good, man. It's like exactly <laughs> the uh, Broadway show, truncated, but the effects are there, the songs are there. It is still Frozen the musical. Uh, it just happens to have uh, practically no dialogue and a couple of scenes missing. Um, but like, it is still the show, right? And there's something to be said for a $150 ticket on the most expensive days at Disneyland getting you access to a Broadway quality show that would maybe be $150 a person on its own uh, depending on where you live, your market, or be inaccessible in your market, right? Uh, there is value in that. I just never saw it myself while the show was available. But it does make sense that it's there. And you know, more to the point, there are lots of shows that despite the fact that you are not writing them, they are these incredible, unique experiences, right? Right. I asked you before we started recording, um, when when we said, okay, we're doing an episode on shows, parades, and nighttime spectaculars, and I said, okay, shows, um, <laughs> is the Tiki Room a show, or is it an attraction? And you said, well, it's both, but specifically, yes, we are going to count the Enchanted Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room under shows. And then actually, when I when I got that answer from you, made me think about this a little harder, um, is that the, nobody would argue that Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room doesn't belong in the park and isn't like a super iconic and even fun way to spend a few minutes as like part of your Disneyland experience. Like that's just that's just part of the day. It's the Tiki Room for goodness sakes. It's yeah. an it's an icon. It's an institution. <laughs> and and so when you clarify that yes, you want to count that under shows, um I was uh, I kind of changed my tune a little bit because I was a little bit on a, well, I don't really necessarily need shows, parades, and nighttime spectaculars unless they are particularly excellent, like a Main Street Electrical Parade or Waterworld or, um, yeah, I'm going there. I'm bringing 3D, in, the ride. <laughs> I'm bringing, I'm bringing in non-Disney parks. Um, <laughs> or, um, I don't know. Like I, I was like, if they're not like that good, then I don't really know if they should you know, if, if I need them or if I'm going to spend my time. But I went last time I was at Disneyland, I took my husband who um, had never seen the Tiki Room show and we are 30 uh, and he had never <laughs> seen it. And so we I was like, you know what? We're getting our Dole Whip and we're going to sit down and we're going to watch these cute little birds. And it's Gosh, not darn it. <laughs> it's not thrilling. It's not exciting. It's 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 a little racist. <laughs> We've gone over this. We have a whole mini series about all four the episodes room. of Birds of Paradise <laughs> are available to stream wherever podcasts are found on this very feed. Please go listen to understand our perspective on Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. But you're <laughs> yes. right. But it like, isn't a thrill. So right? I was like, why are like why are we here? And then I sat down and I watched it and I was like singing along and I was like, oh yeah, this is. This is good. I'm sitting in a nice air conditioned, famously air conditioned room um, and enjoying something with a little bit of nostalgia and um, and I'm resting my feet a little bit and I, you know, I am enjoying this. This isn't what I would normally do, but this is fun. Yeah. And, and the Enchanted yeah. Tiki Room specifically is a, is a spectacle, if nothing else. Like it is interesting and impressive the way that the room works. Right. Um, and so there is there is value to sitting down in that room like there is entertainment value. Um, and I think I think that's true of the other shows that you mentioned as well. I mean, Waterworld is a, a stuntacular, right? A <laughs> uh, wet and smoky stunt show, if you will. Yes. And it's uh, amazing. <laughs> we have episodes on that, too. T2 3D The Experience is a combination live action 3D movie thing. Uh, it's really, really cool and definitely was worth your time when it still existed. Yeah. Um, I think the difference there for, for me, for those ones, and, and part of why I enjoy something like Fantasmic and, and why I don't like love parades, but I have like respect for them is I feel like very often the, um, the parades and, and shows or like the, the truncated Frozen musical or previously the truncated Aladdin musical were, um, not respected as much because I feel like people maybe don't 
do people maybe not respect the like the time and energy that actors are putting into that like is it is it that if it's not a ride and it's not technology they don't really understand the like effort that's put into it that's do you think do you think that might be part of it that just that just occurred to me where i was like even if I don't want to sit down and watch a parade, I walk past it and think, huh, nice. They're dancing. Good for them. Good for those performers. I'm proud of them. Like they work hard, but I wonder if maybe people don't respect that. I think that's a, that's a bold, a bold idea to apply to at least some guests, right? Where, where they're going to say, well, who wants to watch just like an actor act for 90 minutes, right? Like, I'm here to see incredible technology combine with uh, movement and sound and energy to create experiences that you simply cannot have anywhere else. Right. Like that. I, I feel like there is a at least a, a certain amount of, of guests that w- might think that way and that sitting down to just watch performers perform feels like a big ask when this other stuff is there takes time to access and is associated with the cost of being at the theme park right yeah so so like sitting down for 90 minutes to watch a movie at a theme park i actually don't think i could ever make that choice no and and that's why i think there have been some really successful 3d films that are like 10 minutes maximum right <laughs> i think uh, that's about as long as as people's attention span lasts <laughs> right and and plus that also increases capacity right you're not seating people for a 90 minute film so you're moving people through at a, a rather impressive clip um and usually those are paired with some amount of impressive technology that you don't get at a usual 3d movie right the, right the chair the seats, will move yeah or, or there will be smells or water uh, in the, splashing in your face. In the case of it's tough to be a bug, you will be literally stabbed in the back, uh, <laughs> which is just a, such a design choice. Um, but, you know, like when you say we're going to sit down and watch something on a screen or a stage, I think that doesn't feel like optimal theme park. And I think there are folks out there for whom optimal is the name of the game. Right. Um. I also think that that is such a disservice. Uh, and of course, I think you would agree with me because you're like, oh, yeah, no, I appreciate performers. I know how hard that work is. Yeah. That's such a disservice to the hard work of the live performances that happen at a theme park every day. Um, you know, just last time that I went, I witnessed the Dapper Dans, uh, the Main Aww. Street Band. I witnessed the Army Men on Pixar Pier do like oh. a, a rhythm show. They're so cool. What about, um, I always think about the jazz band that performs outside the Haunted Mansion. Yes, exactly. I love them. And I think about these performances and these kinds of shows, and I think about the way that they're like walk byable. You know what I mean? Like where they're they're not like a commitment. Uh, yeah. Where you're just kind of walking by and you're like, oh, hey, here's a guy playing ragtime on the piano. Uh, and I think about a, a theme park devoid of that. And I'm like, oh, now I'm actually starting to understand parades. Because there's a certain amount of like kinetic energy that a theme park should maintain to make it feel like a complete experience. There needs to be like movement in life. I think a lot about early visions of Tomorrowland with the people mover and the monorail and the submarines and the skyway all kind of running simultaneously and all this movement and the way that that's so important to people when they think about these uh, early Tomorrowland photos. They're like, look at all the stuff that's moving in this. Yeah. And I think about how one way to add a lot of that kinetic energy is just to like throw a couple of live performers into that. <laughs> And then yeah, like, it's like like street performers. Yeah, like, exactly. And, and walk and, around characters and, and stuff like that. And then to like extrapolate that. that to a parade, right? And to say like, okay, what if as kind of a demarcation of time a, 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 over the course of your day, the street just became a party? Uh, and actually, that reminds me of another kind of themed experience. One you and I are both really familiar with. And that is Renaissance festivals. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ren I love the Renaissance Festival. I was there just last weekend. Ren fairs are built on the on the backs of live performers, obviously. 
That is like the appeal for me uh, at a Renaissance <laughs> festival. And everybody is a performer at a Renaissance festival. The vendors, the actual performers, the people at the gates, uh, everybody is the visitors kind of. <laughs> yeah, the visitors are invited to play along. Uh, and the way that that can be a full day and you never need to get on any kind of a ride. It is just a, a kind of collective per performance that you spend your day within. And that's valuable and good and exciting on its own. And then on top of it, there are parades at Renaissance festivals. Not every Renaissance festival, but the ones that I have been to tend to have parades that are like royal processions, right? Yeah. And these, yeah. Are, used, these are used to demark time throughout the day and to remind people of other events. Like the queen on her way to the joust. You know what I mean? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I never really thought of that. But if you, yeah, to have these things happen at regular intervals and be like, hello, everybody, in 15 minutes, we're going to be starting the Parade of the Stars. That's the one I remember that one ah. uh, <laughs> uh, at Disneyland. Uh, in 15 minutes, we're going to do the Parade of the Stars. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching the Parade of the Stars. The next showing will be in two hours. <laughs> and yeah. like, yeah, time is passing. If you can hear the announcement, time is passing and you can can follow you can watch catch the parade you can catch the beginning catch the end but like you still it yeah it's movement from the front of the park to the back of the park kind of almost yeah encouraging the same movement from people it's like as the parade ends people follow the the end of the parade and like walk to the back of the park right yeah i didn't really think about it like that yeah, I think I think a, a parade done well, uh, especially a daytime parade, right, is kind of a, a palate cleanser between other things. A way to say it's two o'clock. It's the two o'clock parade. Right. Um, yeah. That's an interesting idea that I would like to kind of kind of simmer with for a little while, because I think that's an interesting one. It's not an event parade like the Main Street Electrical Parade, which I think that's when things get a little bit more uh solidified in terms of like this is a thing that you will sit down and watch all of it's special because it's a classic it's special because it's iconic it's special because it's lights and it's also kind of a complete package like it's a really long parade as well right uh and and parades like that i think you know, as much as they can be disruptive and we can kind of roll our eyes at the 9,000th revival of the Main Street Electrical Parade, <laughs> parades like that do have a special place in people's hearts. Uh, a way to just kind of like sit at the end of the day and cap it all off and watch this cool thing with the music and the lights. And I think that's actually pretty cool, too. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. I think about parks with uh, no nighttime parade. And I'm like, yeah, but you're already, like, lighting the park in interesting ways. Like, might as well go for it, right? Like, use the light, Luke. Uh, <laughs> like, go for it. So, on the other hand, though, Alice, you and I m might still actually be kind of of the opinion that parades are disruptive. They're in the way, and they block traffic for sometimes way too long, and people line up along the street for them, and, and I just want to move about the theme park at my own leisure, thank you very much. So, like, operationally, there's also, like, this hurdle, right? This, like, this thing where, like, having a parade means that you stick some people on one side of the park and stick some people on the other, and you have to have these, like, crossings, and it's this big hassle, actually. So, like, what are parades for, really? Like, what is the target audience here? Well, the target audience for a parade would have to be a group of people that regularly visit the park uh -huh. that want to sit down um, and watch their favorite characters go by on pretty floats to wave and smile at them and blow them kisses and uh, listen to remixes of their favorite songs. Oh, wait, it's children. Oh, it's for yeah. children. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the extremely young <laughs> who, who at about like 3 p.m. when about a parade is happening might need like a nap 
you know, or, <laughs> or at least a sit <laughs> or like a, at least a good long sit. Uh, Alice, on my most recent trip, it was the 2.30 nap time, like midnight bark. You know what I mean? Where like one of them would start crying and you'd hear it from all sides eventually. Uh, and then I realized like that's when parades happen. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's who a parade's for. Like who's actually going to enjoy this? The littlest ones, right? Yeah, yes, the littlest ones, and you know, the littlest at heart. Yeah, because <laughs> um, the yeah the parade goes by and it's a lot of big, big colors and shiny objects and your favorite characters waving and blowing kisses and smiling and singing and you get to sing and dance in place and 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 watch or just chill in your stroller and <laughs> and 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 watch. I I, li- I liked parades when I was a kid. Didn't we all like parades when we were kids? I guess. I, I think I really did actually for like a long time. Yeah. For like a lot of my youth. Uh and I think that's interesting. Um because when I think about it and all of the benefits that we just said about parades for for especially the really little ones. Um that's true of like all shows as well. Yes, absolutely. I was thinking about this earlier, again, while we were prepping for this episode. I was trying to think of good examples of uh, like useful and like practical reasons to have shows like operational reasons to have things like shows and parades. Um, and I immediately thought about um a particular show that was pretty important to our family, (laughs) pretty important to our family's park operations. Um, When my little brother was very, very young and we spent time at Disneyland and California Adventure, California Adventure uh, had, and I suppose still has, um, but specifically had a Playhouse Disney show. It was like a, it's where the original building was the Soap Opera Bistro. We've talked about this um, in it is currently a Disney Junior experience slash yeah, show. Yeah, some kind of some kind of dance party thing. Cool. Um, it was a dance party thing when uh, my little brother was a, a, a baby. Between, say, he was born in '98, so like '90 '99 to 2003 ish, when he was very young and I'm needed. Stop a- you right there. It was mm-hmm. between '01 and '03 because that's when. California Adventure open. Oh, that's right. Sorry. I mean, when we were attending, when he was very young, but yes, yeah. specifically between 01 and 03, 04, um, when my uh, little brother would start to melt down in the middle of the day, um, the Playhouse Disney show was a very particular place where my mom could take my little brother. And we it was basically, let's watch a half an hour of a montage of your favorite TV shows ever, including Bear in the Big Blue House and Roly Poly Oli, his, <laughs> his most favorites. Um, and, the, and your favorite characters will sing and dance for you a little bit. You can get up and get your wiggles out and you can or you could just stand in the middle of the room and scream if you want to. Nobody's going to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a row of benches along the back wall where all the dads would sit and um and that we were we were there every single visit, every single time we went. And when I say we went a lot, we were there probably once a week, every week in those years. When my mom had me, I was what seven, seven or eight, and my little brother who was an infant, um, and then a toddler. Uh, and my mom was like, "Jesus, we need to get them out of the house. <laughs> we need to get these two moving. Let's go to Disneyland. We have passes." And we were, yeah, we watched that Playhouse Disney show a hundred times and um, it was really, really useful for my mother. It was a quiet air conditioned place out of the sun where my brother could really get all of his energy out and then maybe fall asleep in the stroller on our way to the car. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, that's useful. And, like, useful in, like, a really, like, positive way, right? Like, oh, yeah. this solves a problem at a theme park. A problem that is unavoidable. You can't have your melting down toddler get in line for another ride. No. You can't be like, oh, I know, I know you're so tired. Let's get in, ride for Indian- uh, in line for Indiana Jones, you know? <laughs> you gotta yes, be great. Let's... It's gonna be a cave. It's gonna be scary. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be so scary. It's gonna be great. We're gonna wait here for 45 minutes. We're not and then gonna get on move a ride. at all. There's <laughs> gonna be people all around you and also loud, scary noises. Like, oh, come on. This is a real problem, right? 
And it's a problem that as long as you are a theme park that is like Disneyland, that is family-oriented, and that has rides that will appeal to the very young, uh, you're, you're just, you're not gonna, you're not gonna not need that sort of place, that sort of time, that sort of space to give to people. And I think that's just, that's important. There is an operational need to have places to slow down. Exactly. And a, a great theme park leverages that into unique, fun experiences that become iconic over time. A good theme park, uh, you know, just invents that space and says, oh, we need something because they know, right? Right. Knott's Berry Farm actually has several of that kind of show uh, featuring the Peanuts and Snoopy. Um, you know, it, it is a good thing to have around. Absolutely. But I, I also think that there's like, just like one more thing about shows at theme parks. And okay. I, here's the thing. I think, like, shows at parks, especially nighttime spectaculars and the really, like, intense ones that, like, become our favorites, they do things that rides just can't. It, and like, what's that? I don't know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this, is the, this is the interesting thing. I think there's, like something to be said for the absence of movement and what that brings in terms of opportunities for storytelling and for the creation of immersive space there is something about that that is very real like I know that on this show we're very ride forward right we're always thinking about our favorite rides and the way that we're moved through space but like on the other hand you don't need to be moving to have an immersive experience and i think where shows absolutely have rides beats is in this idea that you're able to like live in a space for a little while and not be constantly moving through it and constantly beset with new information, new spatial information. And I hate to return to the Tiki Room, but I think I kind of got to go back to the Tiki Room here for a second. <laughs> All right, let's do it. The Tiki Room as an environment is something that is etched permanently into my mind. Uh, the kind of flower boats above each of the audience sections containing the Birds of Paradise uh, and the, the uh, kind of... Uh, plumeria looking flowers uh the tiki poles on each corner where the tikis are in the back the placement of each of the birds the mystical fountain the way that the the um the mobile comes down like it is a geography with which i am just so completely familiar that that place becomes extra special and when I think about similar places on rides, like rooms that are very familiar and iconic, they actually only really exist on like the slowest rides. Pirates. And the Haunted Mansion. Haunted Mansion, yeah. These big, beautiful scenes that are kind of laid out in three dimensions that you move through very slowly so as to take them all in. And part of what makes you want to get on those rides over and over again is actually kind of like the luxury of moving through these spaces slowly enough to know them uh, hmm. versus the frenetic energy with which you move through environments on other rides. And that's actually kind of part of why I love cues, actually. Yeah, you do famously like waiting in line for things. <laughs> you know, you know I love waiting in lines for things. No, no, what I know you love is and what we all love is a is an immersive experience. We love immersivity. And yeah. what makes a ride like Pirates or Haunted Mansion so immersive is you're exactly right. The 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 sheer size of the space that you're in or the perceived size of the space that you're in and how slowly you get to move through it. You can sit there and look around you like 360 degrees and see different parts of the room 
And even if it's just an illusion how big the room is, um, or maybe the rooms are actually enormous, you don't really know. Um, and that creates a like a does something to your mind that almost tricks you into thinking that you have entered the space for real. And a show can do that, like the Tiki Room, something truly, truly immersive or like particularly good. Um, I think Waterworld does it really good. T2 did it really good. T2 did it perfectly. Um, Where you're like, I am in this space in this time for a while. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to really watch and I'm going to pay attention. And I can look around or I can focus on a different performer today. You can rewatch it over and over again and really like be in the moment and like experiencing something truly, yeah, like immersive. You know, you're just sitting in a chair and watch, you know, watching a performance by actors, but it can feel like you've entered a story. Yeah. Like if we're, if we're doing theme parks as literature and we do rides as literature and we do uh, you know, motion as metaphor, and we do all of these other things that we have done over the the last fifty two episodes. Um, but shows can actually do that. Like you can sit down and watch a piece of literature, a piece, a story on stage. It's like the most literal version of our thesis statement. <laughs> yeah, it, and it's funny. Like the more that we talk about theme parks as literature, the more it's kind of becoming clear to me that what makes a theme park interesting as a piece of literature is that it also contains many different forms of literature and we were like oh rides are rides are lit rides are lit but also like shows are lit and of course they are because like dramaturgy exists right like (laughs) yeah it's it's like a whole field of study oh like film studies exists and theme parks have movies in them like it's not it's not a huge leap so of course they're valid parts of theme parks they're yet another facet of what makes a theme park experience special because they are allowed to be grander there um or they are under such interesting constraints there and i think that's the other part that's really cool is how do you tell a story where an audience files into a theater for 10 minutes right like how do you how do you make that a space that matters to them how do you make yeah. an experience that they feel they have gone through? And a lot of the 3D, 4D shows have really done that. Um, so that's interesting, actually. Yeah, it is interesting. And it's it's fairly, I think, unique to uh, like a themed entertainment space. Like other places have, I mean, obviously other theater. You can go to the theater in any city um you can watch a movie anywhere in your in your own home you can watch it on your phone while you're in line at a theme park if you want to i have done um, that have you ever <laughs> waited exactly 74 minutes for haunted mansion holiday which is and exactly, exactly the length of nightmare exactly. before christmas <laughs> <laughs> and so wait, you get on as the credits roll wait you're a genius actually <laughs> <laughs> um and but yeah but like to sit down and be like here's a a 10 minute show with your Muppet Vision friends and because we forgot to talk about Muppet Vision oh Um, how could we have slept on Muppet Vision (laughs) which is actually um, quite the experience it's really good and you get to like be there with your Muppet friends and yeah like I'm sure the Muppets could do a a touring show and go to all the major you know Broadway theaters in, in the United States or you can do it and sit there for 10 minutes and have it and then also go outside and ride a you know Guardians of the Galaxy exclamation mission colon breakout sorry <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy hyphen mission colon breakout exclamation point yes that is the designation of that <laughs> like you can do that it would take you you know five minutes to to walk between you know you, you can just do that and yeah. and where else can you do that but a theme park yeah and i think i think you know to return to the nighttime spectacular specifically since this is an episode releasing in in tandem with the return of the nighttime spectacular i think you know what they bring is a transformation of familiar space in into these nighttime spectacular stages especially at the disneyland resort right like when we talk about phantasmic we talk about it like this grand experience and what's even cooler about it is that it transforms the rivers of america 
Yeah. It, it uses the rivers of America as a stage. It uses the whole space to tell this story that is, I know there's a phantasmic in Florida, but for me, a West Coaster, and perhaps for many others, because I've heard that that, that our phantasmic is better, <laughs> um, it, it the space and the story are inseparable, right? The space and the experience are inseparable, as is the case with World of Color, which needs Pixar Pier in the background to really oh, yeah. be itself, right? Transforming all of Pixar Pier into its projection space and, and using that depth is something that you can only get in those places. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, literally, because nighttime spectaculars, <laughs> theme parks prove what a show can be when the stage is as grand as a theme park. Yeah. I love Phantasm. I love Phantasm. <laughs> it is it is so beautiful. Every note I feel like is like part of my body <laughs> every time i sit down to to watch it every time i have in the past and then i went several many years without going like right after i stopped working there and i i went off to college and um many years passed and then i went back and it's still like every beat every note the, some imagination huh <laughs> like <laughs> like like i felt it i knew it was coming before it was happening and i still like felt it in my body as it was happening and the and you're right that the stage there you can't get a bigger stage let's use the this entire place that during the day is like a walking area and like a playground and a literal river that a giant paddle boat goes on um and it, it's like a, a massive space but it feels like transitory almost yeah. The Rivers of America is literally just a place where you can walk or go on a boat to get to somewhere else. And then all of a sudden at night, we all sit down on the sidewalk. We all like cuddle up next to each other on what was a walkway. And we watch this massive performance of light and sound and fire and water and uh, and like the technology that has to go into that and then the characters come out and the dragon and <laughs> it's like it's everything it's everything you could want all at once and the space changes it goes from being a transitory space to being a m place of like actual magic yeah you and know, it's it really cool Okay, first, first hot take. Um, Phantasmic is absolutely S tier. It's like S plus tier, maybe. It is the <laughs> highest tier attraction that a theme park can have. And I think yes. if I if I return to Disneyland to watch it sometime soon, you know, nothing at my in my most recent um, trip actually brought me to tears. But I think watching Phantasmic might. Um, it, it probably would. I would probably weep. Uh, for the, the for the beauty because the like, things there are that no would, more worlds to conquer. <laughs> the things that would make me cry upon a return visit to Disneyland and California Adventure would be Fantasmic and if they ever brought back Soren over California. Oh, and see, it's back right now as we record this episode. I'm sorry, what? It's back right now as we record this episode as a special event for the Food and Wine Festival. Oh my god! I know, and I missed it by just like a couple of weeks. I missed it by a I'm couple livid. of weeks. I'm I was livid. there in January. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I rode Soarin' Around the World, and we looked at the horrible CG Taj Mahal and the bendy Eiffel Tower, and I didn't feel any pride for my home state, and I could have. <laughs> oh my god, I'm going back. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I that's the thing, back. is that every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. They do. Because uh, so, I, will, I will weep. So, uh, thing number two, that transformation of, like, space from transitory to, like, narrative and, like, special is really interesting to me and it reminds me of holidays actually like holidays have you ever noticed and maybe this is just me but maybe this is more universal than just me the way that we transform our homes for holiday traditions and holiday parties like sometimes your living room is just your living room and you hang out there and you watch tv but like also, sometimes there's like a magic tree in there that presents appear under. And I know I'm grossly oversimplifying, but like gathering around that space on a certain day and like saying the, the purpose of the space is different. Right. 
you're right. Is actually you're totally like, right. That's part of what makes this like transformation makes sense for me is like this is the special time when the cool thing happens in this otherwise mundane mundane space and it actually now i'm back on parades right the transitory becomes the performance or the performance area oh yeah becomes the event um especially in the case of the main street electrical parade which literally uses hundreds of thousands of twinkling lights to transform a a traditional main street usa into a a performance space that is fully unique and beloved absolutely yeah it turns what is normally just a walkway into a special walkway for floats and characters (laughs) and you can watch I think that 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 ability to transform and that that kind of specialness and that connection to like the holiday feeling is like actually yeah that's part of what makes theme parks special is that they allow themselves to be that kind of transformative and they allow their spaces to be that kind of flexible and they have that kind of flexibility available to them and now I'm thinking about like haunt events and like <laughs> how, how not scary farm transforms the idyllic wilds of uh calico ghost town into a nightmare realm of our own creation (laughs) and i'm like oh man but this is also just another way of creating a stage right all the world's a stage even well we're just players right we have our exits and entrances (laughs) bill shakesman said that uh uh, and now i think i finally at the end of all of this i finally get it it's about the ability to transform the mundane and welcome you into a new kind of narrative experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it really and it and it's true to go back I think to what we were saying uh from the beginning is that um to tie it all together I think that um the the thing that truly sets apart a theme park or a great theme park um, away from just like a collection of rides and attractions, just an amusement park, even the thing that, that changes a place, a space into something special and something that we love to talk about on this podcast. um, I think is that, that, that they can change that they can, that, the transitory can become the stage that the 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 walkway can become a parade that anything anything can happen it's magical um and that i think at the at the end of the day i think the 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 end statement of this is that this the shows the parades the nighttime spectaculars add to the theme park in a way that like holistically makes it an experience and like um like a magical time for people in a way that just like a strict amusement park can't yeah it's it's more about the way that it transforms your experience into a full story with peaks and valleys and different kinds of conflict and resolution and excitement and wonder that without the presence of these things it's not the same kind of story it's not a theme park and what makes a theme park a theme park might actually be this stuff and a theme park can still be great without this stuff but I think what elevates it is having the ability to have this kind of thing around yeah well Alice it sounds like our conversation about theme parks and their shows, parades, and nighttime spectaculars has come to an end. But the conversation continues and will always continue online. On the internet, a parade that never ends. (laughs) Your Twitter feed is just a parade of (laughs) things other people are saying. (laughs) A parade of foolishness, that internet. Um... (laughs) All right. Very good. Uh, Specifically, you can always find us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and on TikTok at AliceWhiteThP for those happy places. And I'm at 
buddy underscore Duquesne. Duquesne is spelled D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. And you can follow the show on Twitter at Happy Places Pod. And we'd like you to send us your thoughts and opinions. Have we totally misunderestimated how much people like parades? <laughs> misunderestimated, Alice? Yeah, that's a that's a word. It's that real. I invented. No, I, I've heard it before, <laughs> just not from you. We tweet us, tweet us your thoughts about parades. We want to, we want to hear them. Do you love a parade? Do you have a particular favorite that we forgot? Do you think that Illuminations over at Animal Kingdom was better than World of Color over here at California Adventure? I haven't seen it. I want to know. So tweet at me. Personally, I would find a take like that blasphemous, despite the fact that I have not seen it either. I just will defend <laughs> World of Color to my death. Um, and if you are listening to this and you interact with us on Twitter or you uh, just really, really, really like the show and you want a way to show your support, here's something we haven't talked about in a minute. Our Patreon. Patreon.com slash those happy places is a place you can go to find all sorts of bonus content for this and our other shows known as those happy podcasts. Yes, patreon.com slash those happy places is the way that you can support us monetarily if you are interested. Uh, we recently revamped the Patreon. There are only two tiers now. Um, you have your $1 tier and your $5 tier. The $1 tier uh, gets all of our bonus minisodes and our ever-loving thanks. Um, and the $5 tier, way to help us out a little bit more, you get access to, uh, you know, maybe a little something extra. So go <laughs> check it out. Yeah, I highly recommend it. And Alice... I think I'm going to put some music into this episode. Oh, some music. I love music. Where would you have found the music that you placed in this episode? All of the background music you heard, the stuff that wasn't the theme song, that comes to us from Kevin McLeod. Kevin McLeod has a website called Incompetech.com where all of the music you heard is available under Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license. The track titles and the information about that is in the show notes. Thank you, Kevin for providing music to us and countless of other creative people on the internet. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Your work is greatly appreciated and so good. Um, speaking of music, uh, I think I hear our theme song that, ramping up. Is that Golden Gate by the California Feet Warmers featuring Phil Elvin? It sure is. Find this and many other amazing tracks by the Feet Warmers on their website, thecaliforniafeetwarmers.com. Alice, this episode was a lot of fun. I honestly, when we started it, didn't think we were going to sound as smart as we ended up sounding. <laughs> I think we did a really good job. We ended up really digging into like the heart of theme park. Yeah, this was really fun. I wasn't sure what to expect as some as you know, we weren't fans of parades when we started recording an hour ago, but suddenly now I'm into parades. <laughs> yeah, this was really fun. Uh, yeah, now I think that all shows, no matter how disruptive they are to my perceived day, are actually very important about the art. So I'm all about it now, and I feel like every time we talk, I learn. So uh, yeah. th thanks for doing the show with me. Thank you for doing the show with me. And to everyone out there, thank you for listening, and I hope you return to those happy places. Bye.